Welcome to the Lola Community Podcast. In this podcast, we will have questions, quotes, and conversations between different people, and your host will be Pleasant Selecki. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, guys. Today's conversation is with Erin Telford, a new friend who's a breathwork and meditation guide. And before we jump into the uh, conversation that we had, which was really fun, and I feel like I could talk to Erin forever, um, I found this poem that I wanted to read to kick off the conversation. Womankind by Donna Folds. Earth energy, feminine and strong, rises up from my feet to pull my spine long. Earth blood courses through me like mighty rivers, leaping over falls and small streams, singing as they tumble to the sea. I am womankind with all her fertile minds and wombs, lullabies, looms, and blooming gardens. Earth voice speaks to me. Do not forget that you are the intersection of human and divine. You, my cherished sister, exist as the open field of every possibility because my creative juices flow within you. Arise now and go forth, undaunted by the road that lies before you. Step into this unknown, bearing the gift of your femininity and living into the infinite, even as I daily embrace both night and sunrise. Hope you enjoy the conversation and the poem and uh, let me know what you learned and what you want to integrate into your own life. Welcome, Erin, to the Lola Community Podcast. Thank you. You're in California, right? I am. I'm currently in California. I am. I I run around the country, but um, my current home is California for at least the next two weeks. <laughs> Do you live? Okay, so tell me a little bit. I have no idea. I can't uh-huh. even tell you because it is divine intervention. Usually, always when people just pop into my inbox, I don't remember how I find them. Sometimes I have. Sometimes this happens with a podcast where I will not have subscribed to the podcast, and an episode lands, and it's like exactly what I want to hear or need to hear. And that's sort of how I felt about your emails. I don't know how they came in, except originally you were an acupuncturist in New York City. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I was reading about. And I thought, why am I on this email list? And then I would read deeper or I would click on the breath and say, oh, this is fascinating. And I love this aspect of breath work because my background's in yoga. So obviously pranayama is a big part of it. well, it depends on your lineage, but my lineage is. Yes. Um, and so tell me a little bit about your acupuncture to what you're doing now in New York to California. <laughs> I love that you, I love that you're just kind of calling people in through feeling and intuition that people just land for you and it, and it doesn't, cause it doesn't really matter, you know, how you found them as, as long as, you know, the universe has orchestrated that connection. I just think that's a beautiful way to, to, uh, connect. Um, so my story, you know, it's, you can always make the story super long or short. So I'll, I'll make it brief ish. 
so I started as a full-time acupuncturist in 2010. So I've been doing full-time healing work uh, for uh, almost nine years now. And my acupuncture practice was in New York. And that was my, I kind of refer to it as my, my first love. It was my entry point into the healing arts and actually offering it as a professional thing to people. And then my, you know, my path has just kind of evolved as I grew. And um, I listened to my curiosity, I listened to my intuition, and I listened to what was healing for me. So I began with acupuncture and herbalism, and then I became a Reiki master. And then in 2015, I discovered breathwork. And I think that this is a very probably interesting point, um, just because of what we were chatting on before we began, is that I was at this point in 2015 where I thought I was kind of at my peak. I thought that what I had done, you know, I, I had done quote unquote the work. Um, I had, you know, um, done everything, you know, thrown like every possible healing modality at myself that I could have, you know, I've been on, been on the retreats and done the meditation and read the books and went to a little bit of therapy, but I had done so much. And I just thought this must be as good as it gets. I looked around me. I'm like, okay, well, I'm successful. I have my, my practices full. My relationships with my family are, are pretty good. Um, I have good friends and, you know, everybody else gets depressed still. Everybody else feels insecure still. Everybody else still feels anxious. Everybody else still feels afraid to take up space and use their voice and doesn't feel like enough or feels like too much. And I was like, that's the norm. So I'm good. I'm, I'm with everybody. And then <laughs> um, I went on this yoga retreat and, um, and did breath work and it blew the doors off of what I thought was actually possible for myself and how my life could be, how I could feel in my body, how self-actualized and self-expressed I could be. And it was shocking. It was like, it just blew my mind. And I did, um, I was on a yoga, yoga retreat with a, yoga teacher that I had known in New York that I loved. And I experienced, you know, I'm a, I'm a very emotional person and I was still, you know, we, we started to breathe and I started to feel like I wanted to cry and I, I cry easily. I'm not a suppressed <laughs> crier, <laughs> you know, I'll cry at the drop of a hat. So I, but I started to want to cry when I'm, and I'm like, why I'm just breathing. Why do I want to cry right now? I don't understand this. I'm feeling so emotional and so much is coming up and I'm just breathing what's, what's going on. And I just gave into it and I discovered that, I mean, I could go on and on about breath work, but I discovered that, um, I finally had found after, after pursuing and going after all of this, you know, healing in so many different formats that I'd finally found this like lock, this key for the lock that gave me this emotional release valve for all the grief and the sadness and the rage and the betrayal and the disappointment and not feeling seen and not feeling held and not feeling witnessed. And it, it gave me this framework, you know, for all of us, we have, we're not broken. We're not a disaster. We're not a mess. We're not messed up. 
but we develop all these layers of social and family conditioning and limiting beliefs and core wounds that we accumulate from our childhood and then just continue to be piled on us. And the breath work for me has been a way to scrub that off and to be able to contact my essence and to be able to finally, um, you know, I experienced depression regularly since I was a teenager up until um, you know, my early 40s, and I don't get depressed anymore. I get sad when sad things happen. I feel sad, but I don't sink. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't go down and in in an unexplainable way. And it's been through clearing out all of this pain. And so the the progression uh, from yeah. from. <laughs> So I, you know, it was about four years on that path and I just started to realize that with my acupuncture practice, what I was most invested in and most intrigued by was helping people achieve those same results to be able to let people know that there's more beyond what they, what they have and what they feel. There's more peace, contentment, joy, exhilaration, you know, self-connection. And I could see how much more quickly breathwork worked for that than acupuncture or Reiki. And with the breath work, it's an active healing technique. So I'm not just going, you know, putting my hands on you or putting needles on in you and you feel better and you leave and you don't really know what happened, but you feel great and it's wonderful. You are working your ass off when you're doing breath work. And it's a very beautiful thing for people to experience that like, I'm doing this, I'm capable. My body is a safe space. I can exist in here and hold these intense sensations and feelings and I can do this. And it just, just like taking it off the mat, when you take it out of the breath work, you have this expanded sense of what you're able to um, work with in your life, you know, what you're able to cope with and how much grace you're able to bring to a situation. So that's so a big that, I mean, did that, <laughs> was that the catalyst? Like once you did that clearing, yeah. did you then find you needed to change and shift and expand and evolve? Like this piece, I'm so curious about in our lives because this shift that happens when we do that clearing work and the layered and we actively in that embodiment, it's not happening yes. to us, but we are in dynamic relationship is the ripples and the changes um, in my life have been so big and in other women who I know do this work. And so that's a piece I'm really curious about is that then once you did that, did you sort of find the courage and the confidence to follow a heart path or an intuitive path that you, that you had then tapped into and think about it for one second. I'm going to put my dog out because the minute okay. I started talking, he started barking. So hold okay. on. Okay. No problem. Uh, okay. So, so that, you know, I would, I would say that I've actually, my intuition and my following my heart has been something I've been doing from the very beginning. Um, but this was just another step, just another step on, on the path. Um, I, I've been very strong willed as a person and very, um, I I've honored, I've honored my whims, um, throughout my life. And, but because this was, I think that the path to leaving New York, if I hadn't felt, if I hadn't had that, um, 
strengthen that relationship with what I call spirit. You know, you can call God, Mother Earth, the universe, source, whatever you want to call it. Um, my relationship with my intuition ever deepening and my relationship with an energy greater than me um, helped me go, you know what? I have a, you know, multi-six figure healing practice in New York and I'm just going to leave it because I'm going to go work for the universe and I'm going to trust that I'm supported and that I have the own, my own creativity and tools within that will get me by. I will create and make new things that will be interesting for people. And it was, it was such a strong personal impulse. The reason I really left New York was because I couldn't handle being in cities anymore. I knew that for my own personal healing and evolution, I needed to be connected to the earth on a daily basis and I needed to be out in nature. And that was a stronger um, thrust and push for me than anything else. And so that was, I did that for myself. And I also did it to, you know, I, I like to throw myself into situations where I'm, I'm uncomfortable and I need to, to learn how to swim really fast. Because to me, that's, it's interesting. You know, I have the safety net of my own resources and my own faith. So I know that I'm, I'm not throwing myself into a dangerous situation, but, you know, I'm here to evolve. I'm here to grow. So I don't see any need to continue on a path that's already been, um, it's complete. You know, my practice in New York was complete. My, my practice with acupuncture may be complete. I don't know. Um, but all I can do is follow the next direction and honor it. I say that so often about, I um, have really shifted over the past three years, sort of turning towards Ayurveda and mm. what that has meant has been turning away from traditional yoga and wow. the masculine forms of yoga as we see in my little neighborhood with mm. um, the hot power vinyasa which is has nothing to do with sacred feminine and mother nature and Ayurveda and your flow and you know the breathing and moving in your body um, is an aspect of of yoga it's not the aspect of yoga but because of culture really shifting and i i was literally just thinking last night you know and i'm sure this is the same with your acupuncture practice and learning is of course it's in you and it's coming through you with your clients and the work you do now um it's always going to be a part of you as you evolve further along or I don't like further but um expand perhaps yeah continue yeah continue and I feel that way about yoga and people continue to call me like a yoga teacher and mm. always and use that label and they, it's fine they, that's their language that they understand but my resistance towards it because Ayurveda is such a holistic divine practice sacred practice that's so beyond a mat or touching your toes or standing on your head. I don't even do any of that. But it's just so funny how it's such a part of me. And I was thinking last night and writing in my journal that the yoga piece is always going to be here. That was the foundation. That was, yeah. that was such a big, huge, huge part of the, of the exploration of being alive. It's such a gift. And now that I've found a home in Ayurveda that feels so delicious and nourishing, I can sort of open my arms back up to the yoga and say, I love you too, you know? <laughs> and I love, you know, when I think about, <clears throat> um, when I think about yoga, I think about the eight limbs of yoga. Right. Like if you think about yoga in its entirety as a, as a tradition and all the ways that 
it is a personal development um, container. If you expand it out to all the things that are yoga, then Ayurveda is definitely a part of that as a practice. And I, I just, yeah, I think if you do that, if you're focusing on the like yoga as a workout, which is just the one very tiny aspect of yoga as it is, um, as it is philosophy, um, then you miss out. You definitely miss out on, on what it can be. But I, I love that you, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and they were, um, they were really, asking me about their purpose. And, and I think that we still have a little bit of like holdover from, um, you know, we're, we're in our mid mid age. Um, but we have that holdover from our parents' generation and the, and the previous generation of like depression era parenting, where you, you are crazy. If you leave a job, you know, if you choose your path, like you have one profession, you do it for the rest of your life. You do not leave, you stay with the good benefits and you don't change. And if you do, you're flighty, you're impulsive, you're, you're not grounded. And I think our, our generation is, is overcoming that ideology where we are actually allowed to, and it's most interesting and beneficial for our communities, our friends, our families, and our own health to continue to be like, this is capturing my interest. This is the most nourishing and fulfilling expression of myself right now it might change in another five years or it might be something else but like to stay current with who you are and like that's the best that's the best most generative version of you for everybody around you as as long as you're like juiced up and excited it's so funny too we were just away this weekend my husband and i were having a conversation we were talking about um, it was like a late afternoon and the kids were swimming and we were just kind of talking about our life and, and careers and work. And I said, you know, I've been multi-passionate and shifted and changed so many times at this point. I said, there is a part of me that craves the known. There is a part that, 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 that craves, um, not a box, that's not what I said, but I said like a known path or a, a label or an identity that I really resonate with because I'm always shifting and I have so many passions. It's, I, I find it difficult at times to talk about what I do and that's okay. And he said to me, he said, I can't, he said, I can't believe you just said that because I really, one of the things I most admire about you is how you keep, how you keep shifting and you're interested in something and you learn about it and you share and teach it with others and then you get interested in something else and he said I wish I had more of that because there's so many things I want to do and I feel like you go and do them and he you know oh. he, he really was like I want you to honor that part of you and it was so funny to have sort of that masculine feminine even energetic conversation where I was yeah. a little bit more masculine structure because I've been really in feminine flow for the since I released the studio and just floating through unknown realms and I said oh there's something that kind of wants to hold on here and then so I'm in Ayurveda school this year as a way to sort of find a little bit of a connection yeah. Mm -hmm. And how he was in a container of what he does and was looking for a little bit more of that unknown flow. And it was just this like really beautiful, I admired pieces of him and he was admiring pieces of me and we could have that conversation. And I love that. you don't know this, but Mel is my husband and I have been together for 21 years. Wow. So good for to you. To have that conversation, <laughs> this, we, we've never sort of really talked about that in that way. So oh. that was a really cool 
like, oh, I see this in you and I see this in you. And instead of looking at it as flaky or flighty or you can't commit to anything, which is that old paradigm, he was really looking at it as an evolution. And that, that was awesome, you know? That is just the most perfectly um, expressed masculine, feminine, like container and swirl dynamic. That's so beautiful. Yeah, and he is like, he is amazing, but he's the least self-aware or reflective person I know. We're, we're sort of like Dharma and Greg, if you ever watch that show. People call us. Um, so he's very linear. And, you know, when I say something like, oh, I'm, I'm sad my friend died or her husband died or something, he'll say, well, you know, people die. Like, he's just very <laughs> pragmatic. Yeah, he's just how he is. So I think it's a good, it's a funny mix. Um, okay, wait, I want to ask you about your childhood. Did you? Oh, sure. <laughs> I go right for the hook. Right I want to know where this intuition and this um, really being able to choose your path for yourself. Like, was this in great? Is this your childhood? Was your mama like this? And you tell me about that. Where'd you grow up? Um, so well, I grew up in um, Washington State in the suburbs, which were very foresty and kind of wild um, in the 70s, which is beautiful. Um, but, you know, I, I think that pretty much all kids, I don't have children. Um, you have children. But I, I'm, what I see with children and what I remember being a child is that we are very intuitive. Yes. And we're, very, we're just like little antenna, right? And so we can be um, more often than not, we're probably feeling and absorbing a lot of what's going on around us rather than like stretching our antenna out to see what we want to feel. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in the woods when I was a little kid, there was a, a, a park that was down the street from our house. That was probably, I mean, I, my mom let me be really independent, like for, for better or for worse. Um, I think, yeah, I think when I was five years old, I was walking into the woods by myself often. And it was like four blocks away from our house. And I called it the Enchanted Forest. And I spent a lot of time there. And I think I was very much connected to the, uh, the beauty and the magic and the other realms. I would always get books on like witchcraft and spells and stuff out from the library. And I I was just, it was a really safe space for me to be out in nature. And my, my parents were very hands off in a way. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of guidance. I didn't have a lot of like over, um, over structure and, but they were always very, I think that they, they told me in retrospect that they were very worried about me because I was a very weird kid. I was very, um, you know, I had a couple best friends, but I was very antisocial. Like I didn't go out for recess until third grade. I just read books in the bathroom. I don't know what my teachers were doing. They were obviously not clued into where I was at all in school. The 80s, um, right? So Yeah, 70s, 80s. Um, and yeah, so no one was really paying attention to what I was doing. I was kind of like this free agent child. And I think because of that, I, you know, I've always had a very strong spirit. I've always been very like, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And, and a little bit like, and you guys are BS, you know, like I know what I know and I, and I don't believe you or like this, this paradigm, the structure that you're putting me into is just, I'll play, I'll play along. Like I'll play the game for you. Um, but I don't love it. So I, I think that there was 
just an element of my personality of like, I don't really fit in. I am kind of weird. So I'm just going to do my own thing and, and make myself as comfortable as possible. But my, you know, my parents in a way, they're always in, they were encouraging of like self-ownership and self-direction. And, and I even remember um, one or both of them saying to me when I was young, like, like respect is, is earned. It's, it's not given. And that was in terms of my teachers at school and other authority figures, you know, they were a little radical in that, in that belief. So I would, you know, I would argue with my teachers. I would push back on them. I was never, you know, like obedient or falling in line because I was just like, who are you? You know, I don't care if I'm 11 and you're 35, you know, I was, I was very willful. And so I think that that, um, that lended itself to me feeling very like lack of guidance and then having to form my own kind of world and my own rules led me to be very, uh, very just like, well, I'm going to do this. You know, I wake up like when I was like, I don't know, I was 19 years old. I'm like, woke up, heard a, heard a Led Zeppelin song. And I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm moving to California by myself to a place I've never gone to. And I have no friends because I heard the call, you know? Just stuff like that. Yeah. I just like, I've been, I've been listening. I've been listening and um, you know, my sort of work now or more recently is like community and softening into, into the group and not being such a hermit or an individual, not being so like um, rigid on like me and what I believe and like softening judgment and opening up to other people. Oh, yeah. I, this is so interesting to me because now that I'm parenting, so my daughter is going to be 11 in a few weeks and my son is um, going to be eight over the summer. And so they're at these really incredible ages of growth and development, um, as I think every stage is, but particularly now because they're so expressive. And especially my daughter um, is very much her own being and she was like that when she was in my belly i knew that i felt that and my year of being pregnant with her was extremely spiritual and connected and that came through her Um, and my son came was in my body hot and pitta and fire and came out talking uh, he came out with asthma and talking about a fire that he had died in and his family in colorado and uh I became wholeheartedly open to all sorts of consciousness and awareness and lives because I, 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 I almost felt like I had to, like, I guess I didn't have to, I wanted just to be open to say, I hear you buddy and hug him and love him because he, I felt that in my, I, when I was pregnant with him, I was sick the whole time, all 10 months. And when he came through and he's, he's, he has a lot that he's always dealing with. Um, and this experience with them and listening to them and talking to my daughter about her intuition and her feelings as, um, her superpowers and as her strength in the world and to keep holding on to that feels, I don't know where it's coming from, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm not saying that because I grew up in a home where that was our conversation or all my friends in Northwest DC who work on the Hill are having that conversation about their kids past lives. Like I'm definitely on my own most of the time, but it's like this inter, this power that I, this strength 
that I can't explain where it comes from. I just feel it and I know it and I love her and I take care of her and cultivate her. And part of this is having, I spent a tremendous amount of time alone as a child. I had, was very free range in terms of taking the bus places, uh, lots of transportation alone, lots of wandering, lots of looking, lots of independence, lots of just unknown exploration. And I'm, I just love that link that you were saying, because this is such a big part that's taken out of childhood right now. We live in a world yes. where people report their kids for being on transportation, right? In New York. Yes. Uh, and it's very dangerous because we are assuming that we know what's best for other beings. Uh, and we don't. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know what happened to that. I like how you called it free range, yeah. like the free range childhood, because I think that there was an equal amount of weirdness. And, you know, pos I mean, I got flashed by a weird man out of a van in my neighborhood when I was a kid. You know, I didn't get abducted by him from the internet. You know, that didn't happen. But like, um, yeah the overprotection and the idea that the world is, is terrifying and you're not safe in it is um, I think definitely detrimental to children's intuition and personal process and, and strength. But I, I love, I mean, it just sounds like you're operating with your children from a place of inner knowing, yeah. you know, just a knowing that doesn't need to be an instruction that you received or anything that you read in a book and just like a pure loving and honoring of your kids, like what a beautiful thing. And I think that's, you know, that's where, you know, our development as people is so beneficial to everybody else around us because then you can go, oh, of course, honey, your past life or you're killed in the fire. Of course you have stuff with your lungs. Like, let me honor that and, and, and not tell you that you're, that you don't know what you're talking about. Like, like facilitating their expression. That is such a, amazing thing to experience as a child from their mother that's just wow i mean i think that it's it just feels so it, it feels so nourishing but here's yeah. the thing that blows my mind is that when i when i started parenting that way or thinking and living that way i didn't know about ayurveda's approach and philosophy about ancestral healing mm. i had no idea because i had not been exposed to this version of ayurveda in in yoga, in 20 years of yoga, all we talked about were doshas and food and things that I sort of was like, I don't really care about that. I don't get it. But as I started studying feminine Ayurveda over the past three years, I'm like, oh, this is what I've been doing. I just didn't know it. I yeah. wasn't aware of it. And so it feels like coming home because it's universal knowledge of, con of spirit, source, conscious, whatever. I don't know what it is. And I do want to know what it is. I mean, I live, I'm very cerebral and I'm from New England and I like to, know what it is, but I don't. And so I just sort of say, okay, you know, we'll just let, let this be, but the connections and the links. So for breathing, I'm curious about with your practices, how is that? I mean, to me, I just see it so clearly with chakras. Right. And so, so how do you think about and work with sort of Eastern philosophy or wisdom traditions with your current breathing practice? So, you know, I, I bring, I think like you, you bring all of you and everything you've learned to what you're currently doing and all the iterations of it. 
Um, you know, I might bring in a little bit of Chinese medicine as like an explanation if people are curious about a body part or like a meridian. Um, and I'll talk about, you know, the, the places where the breath goes, it, you know, the first, the first place the breath goes into is the second chakra. So I do talk about how we are breathing into that area of, you know, that's ripe with stuff, <laughs> you know, yes. everything connected to your emotions and your sexuality and your parents and your trauma and food and money and nourishment and all that stuff. So, so I do, you know, not every time that I'm leading a group, but I will, I will sometimes explain it in reference to the second chakra. And then the second place the breath comes up into is the heart. So the second chakra and the heart chakra, um, I will use that terminology. Um, because I think it's helpful for people to know like um, the, the whys and the hows behind things and all sometimes, you know, frame it in terms of more science and the vagus nerve and, you know, somatic release and the nervous system. Um, just depending on who I'm talking to, I'll use different languaging around it. But I think, yeah, I mean, you just, you bring, when you talk about something, you bring all of what you know about life and your formal education and your and your um, deep internal knowing to the process. Um, who, okay, so I reached out to you about coming on because of this one, this question that I get a lot. And mm. I just love, um, I just love for you to talk about it a little bit. So the question was, how do I surrender negative emotions and open to the love and connectedness of spirit? And, um, what you were saying, and then I'll let you talk more about it was that there really are, that you don't really believe in negative emotions. Mm -hmm. right? So yes. I think talking about that a little bit, also probably spiritual bypass for me, I like always for people to bring that up here because of the love and light, right? <laughs> light. I want to punch in the face sometimes. Sorry, but so uh, talk a little bit about emotions and love and light and spiritual bypass. I mean, it's it's so like I it's uh, I I'm like where do I even start? I I said to a friend the other day, whenever someone like sends me love and light, I I I'm like in my head, I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> so. Okay. So this is, you know, I think one of the, one of the two, the two places where I found my work and my teaching around emotions, not being negative is one through the Chinese medicine context of emotions and their context is that all emotions have a virtue. And so we're looking at like the, the main emotion. So, um, you know, worry, anxiety, and fear, um, grief and sadness, uh, rage and anger, and joy. Mm -hmm. So those are the primary emotions, like the primary colors that we work with as people, mm -hmm. and that they all have transformational virtuous characteristics, and that they're all there. Like we have a full emotional palette for a reason, and that when you feel something, it's an indication of something. Like when you feel angry, you know, two reasons that you might feel angry in like a general sense would be that someone has crossed a boundary or someone has inhibited your growth in some capacity. Someone has put a stop on what you're allowed to do in your life. There's a rigidity, there's a restriction. 
So understanding that all of your emotions are informative is a really valuable way to work with them because when we think about something as being negative or bad, we want to cut it off, we want to divorce ourselves from it, and then we're going to, when we feel it, we're going to shame ourselves, guilt ourselves, have a whole internal conversation about how unevolved we are, how we're not as far along as we think we should be, we're going to like demonize the feeling and if we if we push away the feeling we're not actually going to get the lesson from the feeling we're not going to get the wisdom of the emotional expression so one thing that you know i had um my my mom was a very very emotional person very big emotions and so there wasn't a ton of room for mine and so i had you know i received a lot of messaging around like um, you're too sensitive. You think too much. Um, there's a lot of like uh, um, body language around like your emotional expression is annoying and irritating and taking too much time for everybody, you know, um, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. So I needed to work through my own shame around having feelings and legitimizing them. And so that that's kind of formed the core of my work of being able to help people understand the beauty and the significance and what, what it means when you feel angry, why you're feeling it and like what to do with it mm -hmm. and safe ways to express it and being able to, to have enough emotional awareness around a feeling to, to kind of welcome it and, and want to understand it and dig into it a little bit because we are very, um, we're socialized to be, to look outside of ourselves for answers, to look to doctors, parents, um, spiritual teachers, gurus, and to be like, I'm so confusing and it's so scary and I don't understand anything that's going on inside here. I need help. So I'm going to ask someone else what it means and what to do with it, which we do need support. Absolutely. But I just think our internal experience is so rich and it's so, you know, it is part of our responsibility as people to be able to have a intimacy and connection with what's going on inside ourselves and be, have a reverence and respect and want to, want to deeply know and understand ourselves because it, it helps us in life to be less confused and more directed and more confident and feel more capable and able to meet our life halfway if we are if our bodies and our, and our inner terrain is a safe space and one that we understand and respect. Yeah, so it's not about wishing that they would go away and that we're always gonna be in this enlightened state where we don't no. experience emotions. Um, you know, I just listened to, uh, Oprah had Byron Katie on, on yeah. the podcast, did you listen to it? No. I had to go back a few times. At first I was like, I'm not going to listen to this. And I thought, and then it kept popping back up. I would like delete it and it kept popping back up. So I'm like, okay, I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I listened to it and she, what I loved about it was that Oprah asked her a lot of like pushback questions. So mm -hmm. I love that when you get, yes. in, when someone's that level can meet you at that level yep. and they understand what you're saying. So you're like, ah, let's do this. And she said, she said, Katie, you really don't suffer 
or you have enlightenment, she said, yeah, I really don't suffer. And then she said, I do feel sad. I think she said something like, I do feel sad, but I don't suffer because I've like something about seeing the bigger picture of it and releasing people to death because how she feels about death is different than the average person and, and sort of seeing it as a letting go if they're suffering because her mom had cancer and her mom was suffering. So now that she's gone, Oprah couldn't understand how she would think that was a good thing or have those feelings. So the complexity of the, the conversation was so oh, like awesome in terms of understanding how to pull at it. And there's so much in there around what's confusing to me is how is that Katie, she does really talk about um, like feeling joy, almost an enlightened state all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's like most definitely not my personal experience. However, when I get that gut wrenching feeling or there's some kind of, um, like hit of emotion, I am now like, oh, let me get the journal. Let, let me go for a walk. Like I, I invite it in because I know there's some learning that's about to happen. Yeah. So I don't want to push it away because I'm, I'm curious. I'm like, oh, what's happening here? What kind of pattern? What habit? What's underneath this? So it's not like, oh, yay, it's all happening. And now no. I'm going <laughs> to enlightened. It's more like, oh, there's something here. There's something here. And that's how I sort of describe bypass is not going over it and trying to meditate or go to a yoga class and wish it were away, but more curious inviting in to say what's really happening here. And then linking the Byron Katie is I think what she's really saying underneath that is that her, if her mom is suffering from pancreatic cancer, then to let her go is the kind thing. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you believe in consciousness and evolution and lives beyond yes. what we can understand so yes and not wanting someone you love to suffer yeah. and finding some joy in the release of their pain yeah I think inviting and honestly for me inviting it in is that like if you invite something in if you invite yourself to swim with something that's really uncomfortable for you and you alchemize it and you and you um dance with it when you do that the more that you go towards your pain the more that you are going to achieve those. And like, I, I think that you said this earlier, like I don't like to talk about it in terms of like higher or lower or like better elevated so much, but um, the more that you can go towards that and not avoid, the less you avoid in your life, the more you're going to transmute and alchemize and you, and you will be able to stand in those spaces of, reverence and respect for the cycles of life of your life and other people's lives and and you won't be so you won't be so hooked on the on the wound maybe of like mommy 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 she's leaving me yeah. and you'll be able to hold you'll be able to hold the the deep sadness and the grief and the loss of the experience but you'll also be able to hold in your other hand the um the happiness that she is free of suffering and that she is has moved on to whatever plane of existence or space that that she is meant to inhabit next and you'll be able to hold the pain and the joy in equal measure and you know what's really interesting about spiritual teachers right is that 
you know, that there, there are levels of ascension and awakening and, and we are able to see things from a more broad perspective as we, as we, um, as we pursue our path, but we're human beings and we're, we're always going to be human beings as long as we're on this earth. And we signed up for a human experience. We did not sign up to come to earth and be these cute little gurus that know everything. And, um, you know, what I love to see about teachers as being human is that if you look at a teacher, any teacher, any teacher, Byron Katie, Marion Williamson, um, Matt Kahn, whoever, what they're teaching is what they've had to learn. Right. And she was 42 when the cockroach crawled over her foot, whatever, like her <sighs> awakening story. And I always think of that. Uh, I'm not even 42 yet. So I think, oh, what deliciousness lies ahead. <laughs> so much. Like so, so much. And I, like, I just had an experience happen to me. You know, I've always been, I've been concentrating on the shadow because I'm like, let's work with the pain. Like you have to get, you know, you got to clean out the basement before you can get to these, like to your upper, to your upper chakras. If you want to refer to it in that terminology, if you are avoiding cleaning out your basement, then you're actually, you are just like, uh, leaping for the top rung with without grounding your integrity. You're just you're just skating on it. You're not actually you're not actually grounded in it. So you have to be able to to be a human and work in tandem and like work with pain and work with um, expansion and ascension at the same time. Like they go they go hand in hand. And there's yeah, the, the more that I've, I've been so focused on that, on like pain and shadow and transformation and transmutation that I had this funny thing happen to me over, um, you know, I, and, and I'm very pragmatic. So I, I like almost resist being a little bit too esoteric, but I, I had some, some upgrades over the last year and then went right around the winter solstice. And I found myself when I was recording a breathwork session I'm, you know, just like I'm doing right now, I'm watching myself on the video and I'm listening to myself talk. And I was like, who the F is this love and light girl? And what is she talking about? What is this? You know, and it was just, you know, it's just following the path. And I, I think you'll appreciate this as I heard, I can't, I don't know where I heard it. I have no idea, but it really has stuck with me is that someone was talking about one of the issues that they see in modern yoga, modern Western yoga. And what they were saying was that so many of these open classes are focusing on heart opening. Yeah. All the heart opening. We've created this ridiculous imbalance because we haven't done root work and we Mm -hmm. haven't done that in Ayurveda. We talk about digesting emotions, right? So we haven't done the digestion of the emotions and the experiences and the traumas that happen in, in one chakras, one, two, three, or any of the root work. And so we've, we have all these people doing yoga, which is awesome in a lot of ways, but only focusing on upper chakras, we're getting all these vata imbalances, all of these minds imbalances, all of these opening, and this is the love and light, this expression of let's just float around up here, and then you wanna talk about racism or money or socioeconomic or politics, and that root work hasn't been done, Mm -hmm. and we start to get, there's more anxiety. 
because that's what we're producing when we over open our hearts over and over and then it lifts up into the head. So that has like, that's fascinating, right? For so many levels and layers. I think what's interesting about that though, is like the framing of the opening of the heart. Like in, in my practice, when you open your heart, you start to feel everything. So the, the opening of the heart, like with the breath work, the first signal that you can feel with opening your heart is like your, your arms and your hands starting to tingle. And when your heart starts to open, you're out of your you're out of your mind and you're in your body. And then the emotions start moving. Like but you that's have, because of the breath, Aaron. Yes, yeah. Ninety percent of these classes never even say they don't teach breath work. Right. Right into the pose. Let's just do the back bend. Let's just Both. do the back bend. And bolster up and your breath. Yeah. They're holding their breath in that pose. And I think the framing of the heart opening in those yoga classes is like, this is a glorious, beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is like, let's crack you wide open to love. Yes. 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 But yes. like when you really open your heart, I mean, there's so much um, more that happens. So it's like, if you frame it, like this is what it's supposed to feel like when my heart is open. Like when your heart is open, it's like, you know, you can feel compassion for people that are different than you. Yeah, you right, stop right. judging people. Right. You can start to understand, like, like be like, oh my God, there are children in cages. Oh my God. It's not like you just walk around and want to hug everybody. You, right. you feel the world. You feel the pain. You understand. You connect beyond your bubble. And so I think, yeah, it's the, the limitation of like, yay, open hearts, you know, that is, that is, it's, it's just that, that superficial layer, that love and light layer of like, yay, my heart's open. And now I'm gonna write a poem or like, but whatever. I mean, this, this is to see in yoga is like, touch my, my heart's so open, but this is my yoga spot. And this is the class yes. I go to when I go every day. And the minute you can feel that energetically happening, um, I don't want to say this as a judgment. It's just, there's, there's more to it. It's a, it's that release of the bigger connection. Like if we're so tight, that's how we're acting in everything because of the interconnectivity. So it's like, yes. Oh, this is just another way where actually this is still at the subtle, it's still at the very gross level and it is not going into the subtle body which is actually like those deeper levels that are just so fascinating. So, um, can you tell me we're running out of time and we could talk all day. I mean, (laughs) girl, I could keep going. Um, what, um, I want to know what your daily practices look like. If there's Mm -hmm. anything that you feel like would be good for people to just hear about and then what kind of work you're doing and where people can find you so they can join your classes. Sure. Um, you know, my daily practices are pretty simple. I am very, um, I'm kind of anti routine. Um, so really I wake up in the morning and my part of my, my practices is my pace and really going slow. Um, you know, I don't have anyone to take care of but myself, so I have a lot of freedom in how my, my morning goes. But um, I always take time for self-connection and really allowing myself to just um, arrive in the day. Um, I do have a cup of coffee every day, like butter coffee, so I like really enjoy my coffee. And, and you know, I know it's kind of anti-success and anti-Oprah and Steve Jobs and everybody, but I, I do check my email first thing in the morning. And I look at Instagram first thing in the morning because 
I like to connect. There's a lot of in interesting comments and love and community connection that comes in. And so I like to connect and see what's going on. And I've kind of like curated my feed to be very um, interesting and inspirational. Um, but you know, the, my main practice, as far as like my spiritual practice and my inner connectedness practice is to, is to go out in nature. So I have been in this, uh, it's been almost a year and a half of travel and so I am, you know, in places where there's, you know, deserts or woods or oceans. And so I, I go out and put my feet on the ground and, you know, offload EMFs and energetic charge and, and uh, hypervigilance. And I just, I connect with the earth and I offer gratitude and I usually take um, some, you know, physical offerings of like tobacco and, and um, flowers and different things out and offer it to the places that I'm engaging with. And that's really one of my biggest practices is just to connect with the earth. And that's part of my spiritual practice, my grounding practice, and my just um, my, my gratitude practice for my life and getting to be here on this planet and, and getting to connect and work with the people that I do. It's just giving back, picking up trash a lot of times too. I love it. Um, I know DC is not the Mecca of Mother Nature, but you're always welcome <laughs> here. Thank you. Urban parks. We can walk around the concrete jungle. Yes. I mean, it's always a possibility. I'm really... Um, Memorial. That's really an inspiring. <laughs> I, you know, I've only been to D.C. once and it was very peripherally. I had, I was dating someone whose um, brother worked, I think at the Pentagon or something. I don't know. So we just went for some family time, but we didn't do any sightseeing. But yeah, I would, I would love to come. That's a great idea. Um, okay. So where can people find you online or to connect on Insta or wherever it feels great oh. to you? Um, they can find me. I mean, my website is very, uh, very clear as to far as, you know, what you can sign up for, where I am, what events are happening. And I do have um, virtual events every month. I have a, a six week online um, emotional healing program called Sacred Terrain that I launch once a year. And that is, um, you know, if you want assistance and a, a depth of understanding of your sacred terrain, your inner emotional self, your body. Um, we go through all of the all of the primary emotions and understanding um, what they're about, why they're coming up, and how to work with them. And then we do breath work around releasing them and dispensing of some of that pain. So there's that. Uh, so yeah, my website's very clear on all the ways I'm available to be worked with. And then I love Instagram, so you can find me there. Um, Aaron Telford underscore underscore and that's a good way to um, I Instagram's kind of like my dear diary in a way like any thoughts that are just kind of coming through me that don't aren't long enough for a newsletter or a blog post or something bigger kind of land there so it's a good way to just kind of see what I'm like working with and thinking about and you're writing a book Right. And I'm writing a book. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I am. I, I took I took this year off from um, private sessions so I could focus on writing a book and it will be um, it will be about experiencing your emotions and and, you know, emotional enmeshment and addiction and family relationships and intuition and just all. Yeah. Oh, and we'll okay, talk good. about yeah. that. So you'll, I'll get the book. I'll read it in a minute. I, I love that. Books, and then I'll have all these questions and we'll Great. go right into this. 
And on that podcast, also let's talk about writing and the writing process because yes, obsessed with it. It's fascinating. (laughs) I love everybody's different way they do it, and again, that same source of spirit. Um, Judy Bloom came to speak here in DC a few years ago, and uh, she people kept asking her about her process and how it felt when she wrote this book or that book, their favorites, and she kept saying, "I don't even remember what I wrote." And then I'd walk out of the room and I'd raise my kids and it would be gone. She said, I'd read the books later and said, I wrote that. I don't even know that information. And I just, I've heard it from a lot of spiritual teachers that I, you know, Judy Blue, she just sat down and was like, it just came through me. <laughs> I love hearing that from her because she's, of course, like our generation's like icon as far as an author. I mean, Judy Bloom was like our heart <laughs> growing up. So, um, so we'll talk about writing and your books. Yeah emotions and definitely addiction and all of that really good stuff. Do you know about Enneagram? Are you an Enneagram fan? I, you know what? I can't remember what mine is. Wait, the Enneagram is that, I can't remember what the, tell, what's yours? And then I'll see four, if I can remember. And a four is very, like loves the dark places. Like a four is like best day is like intense, deep conversations, some tears, maybe some death talk, like yeah going to the root of the like difficult stuff, you know? I think I might be a four. I can't remember. I can't, I need to tell it to you. They're seekers and we just kind Mm -hmm. of like, this kind of thing is very energizing for a four. I will leave here and have a very like uplifted day because of the intensity and authenticity of it. And um, the reason I also ask that is because of the sort of nature of flow is that anything that's prescribed or has an outline of questions doesn't feel authentic. So often ah. like, Oh, I'm not fully sure. Enough, you know, well, like it's not organic. Exactly. You want the freedom. Exactly. The freedom. Yes. I love um, that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you yeah. for bringing your whole self. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for doing this work. I will have links to everything for our community um, to start to read what you're writing and putting out there. And I'm really encouraging everybody. I didn't even talk about the fact that I've done a breathwork session. Um, I did one of the new moon sessions a few last year, and that was very powerful. And I just, um, I'm happy to talk with anyone who has a question about it, but I would mostly just encourage you to sign up and try it and see how you feel. And then after come and tell me how the experience was. I love that. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. And thank you. you in nature. You don't have to come here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And there is, um, just in case someone wants to like dip their toe in the water, um, on my website, on my resources page, there's a free guided seven minute breathwork practice. Oh, great. So you don't have to, you know, if you're just like, I just want to know what it is and I just want to know what it feels like. It's a little sample and it's enough to, um, to move your energy and change your emotional space. If your emotions are kind of close to the surface, some might come through, but you'll just probably feel energized and kind of vibrate and, um, it's a nice way to just kind of check it out without needing to like commit to a fuller session. I'll link to that also. I didn't know it was there. So awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. The pleasure. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi guys. It's Pleasance. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's really such a blessing. It's such a wonderful part 
of um, our community and the work to be able to do this with you. If you love our podcast, I'd appreciate if you would share it with a friend, write a review, share on social, um, really helping us spread the messages and the wisdom and the teachings of our lovely, beautiful, authentic community. You can also support the podcast financially right here on the Anchor app or in iTunes, and you can leave me a voice message. I'd love to hear your voice. Chime in, give me a comment or a question, send our guests um, a question, send Sailor for her meditations a question or a comment or feedback. We love, love, love hearing from you. Thanks so much for all your support. And uh, Om Shanti, peace to you all.